We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 233. While our guest today is a USDF bronze and silver medal trainer, she is passionate about paradressage development. She was just recently appointed the USEF paradressage development coach and has amazing paradressage riders in her training program. She is an able-bodied rider, and I really wanted to talk to her about the dynamics of working with paradressage riders and how she conducts her program. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Lisa Helmer. Well, I would love to hear how you first kind of found yourself in the equestrian world to start. Yes, absolutely. I think everybody has that story. Um, so I was, of course, the little girl that was obsessed with horses, Yeah, like every little girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I started out, I just had some goats and my sister and I were really into 4-H and doing all of that before we started riding. My first real structured experience as a rider was through pony club that was what we did we were from new england um we did all of the ratings and the rallies we started by borrowing ponies um, moving through the levels i have always been very tall so i joke that pony club i was really always riding a horse i actually (laughs) rode a pony um but we did pony club anyway um and i definitely got much more committed as i got older through high school, um, we were primarily eventing. So I had uh, an eventing group that we worked with, lots of cross-country schooling. Um, My favorite rally as a kid was show jump rally. I thought that was the best. I actually didn't really focus on dressage for a long time. That was, as fellow eventers can understand, just the way to get to the cross-country. Through my experience through Pony Club, I have lifelong friends. So I still am very close with a lot of the, the girls and um, their parents and all of that that grew up um, through Pony Club through that organization. So I'm very, very grateful for that background. And I sold my event horse to pay for college. Uh, at the time, Pony Club aged out at 21. It's now older and now they have horse masters and you can stay in the organization much longer. But um, it was pretty much my sophomore year of college that I was no longer actively involved in Pony Club because I aged out. I was very close to taking my A. I was going to do it on a borrowed horse from the university, oh. but unfortunately, it didn't work out with the horse. I did everything to get there, and then the horse couldn't go and do the A, and then that fall, I aged out. So I... I still think about it and how close I was to finishing, but I am a USPCB graduate um, and have been asked many times if now in my mid thirties, I would go back, but I think I, I think I left that, but I'm still very involved in the organization and uh, cherish that, that foundation that was very focused on horse management and all of those skills. So then I went to university. I was a student at Johnson and Wales University in Providence, Rhode Island. I did the equine business management and riding program. I have a bachelor's of science in equine business management. 
Um, it was a great experience. It was one of those moments where I immediately fell back onto my Pony Club education because the curriculum was based very, very closely on all of the horse management that we went over through Pony Club. So actually, I was able to become a teacher's assistant as well as a tutor at the university for all the equine studies classes because it was a total nerd um, when it came to horses. But that was a very cool experience. And yeah. you're like, I'll do it college, all. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know how to do all of this. Need, a, need to know how to bandage? Sure. I got that. Um, and I actually additionally took uh, the business classes there. And that was the most interesting for me because that that kind of started to introduce the idea of attempting to make money and also running uh, a farm. I rode on the intercollegiate dressage team uh, for the three years that I was at school. I finished the four-year degree in three years uh, because I'm a huge nerd and I just loved my equine classes. Uh, we went to national finals and did all that. And that was really the big introduction for me in strictly dressage. So I'd always evented, but I didn't have a horse at the time. Um, we got more competitive and I really enjoyed the team part of uh, IDA that we competed on a team. That's what I'd always been used to because of Pony Club 2, because rallies are always held as teams of riders. So that was a really fun transition to stay competitive. Um, and like keep staying involved in the sport, even though, you know, you're in college and sometimes you can't horse show, but this was a way for me to continue horse showing. Um, after university, I got a opportunity. My, my family is from Germany. Um, so we would go and visit my grandparents and all my relatives live in Europe. And I went and just asked at the Hanoverian Verband if they were looking for an intern. And luckily, because I speak German, they said, sure. We just don't want to have anyone that we have to speak English to. Okay. So um, post, post studies, I went and I worked at the Hanoverian Verband, which was really cool and like a total submersion into the breeding part of uh, sport horses, working specifically on starting young horses. We had horses that went through the Marin full inspections. We did the stallion inspection. And as an intern, I mean, I just worked behind the scenes. So it was all the prep work, braiding, handling the horses, helping the riders get ready. And that was a really great experience to see how the Europeans did it. Because of course, we admire the European breeding and the athletes that come out of Europe. So it was a really neat way to see where those horses come from and what those structures look like because it's very very organized um, and it's been done very methodically for a long time i enjoyed that a lot and actually realized through that experience that i really loved riding and training i was less interested in the breeding aspect which i'd originally thought well, maybe i'd be really interested in that huh. but more so loved starting young horses and bringing them along um, after my time in Germany, I came back to the U.S. and really felt like I wanted to do more dressage. I was like, I really want to do this. I've, I've had this fabulous experience in Europe. Now I want to see what top sport looks like. 
So I worked for a few years for a couple different trainers as a working student. Um, we went to Wellington. There was a trainer that I worked for in New Hampshire. Uh, we went back and forth a few times. I always tried to keep part-time jobs in between because, of course, you make no money as a working student mm-hmm. enough at the time to um, get groceries and all of that. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed that. That was my first experience uh, in Wellington and seeing the, that big venue at Global and um, the Palm Beach Derby and all those big shows that we went to. That was really, really cool. And just kind of always working behind the scenes. That was what I was doing as the working student. I got some rides on horses that I probably never would have had the opportunity to sit on otherwise and started meeting people in the industry. So that was a, that was a great opportunity, but as all, as, as all good things go, eventually you run out of money. And you can't live off of the stipend. I was very lucky. And I actually got paid a little bit at my working student jobs, which is pretty special. Yeah. But um, eventually I ran out of money and got a regular job. So took a big step back from horses. Just was doing it on the side. I, I had a horse at the time. I worked full time as a sales rep for a company. I had dental insurance and health insurance and a 401k. And it was very weird. And I sat at a desk and worked 40 hours a week and was financially independent for kind of the first time, utilizing the business part of my degree and not really riding. And it was a very strange transition for me. But at the time, it felt like what I needed to do because I just wasn't in a position to support myself as a, as a rider or um, I couldn't be a groom, but that lingering always kind of sat there with me. I was like, I know that this is just a means to an end kind of thing. Um, what what eventually brought you back to it? So uh, my father passed away. Uh, my father died very suddenly at the age of 57. We worked together at that same company. And when that happened, it completely shifted my whole perspective of life pretty much I was very close to my dad it was a really 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 difficult time for my family and I sort of took that moment and said I I need to do what I love doing because you can plan and plan and plan and just like that life can be over with that motivation (laughs) I reached out to some people that I knew. I started cleaning stalls again just to get some time in the barn. I left my job. I did everything. I taught some lessons. I was doing just a little bit of everything. And then um, I saw a post on Facebook and Lawrence Breiser was looking for a working student. And I knew Lauren. Yep, I had met her a couple of years ago in Wellington. I always read her blogs and she had really inspired me because she was a hard worker and very funny and just felt super down to earth. So I reached out to her and said, hey, I'm older than most of your working students, I'm probably overqualified, but I would really love to be your working student. And she said, sure, when's the soonest you can come down? 
So I packed up the couple things that I had in my car, drove down to Wellington and spent the winter season with her. That was exactly what I needed. I needed to just leave my town. I needed to take some time away from my family just to have, find myself again. And she actually offered me the assistant trainer position starting that summer, that spring, that we would be heading back to Virginia and said, would you like to move to Virginia as my assistant trainer? And I was over the moon. I was thrilled. I'm like, yes, this, this is, this could be something. This yeah. is what I want to do. So packed up a couple of things that I had in Wellington and I moved to Northern Virginia. Uh, fast forward four and a half years and I'm teaching a ton, riding a ton at Lawrence, working my butt off, managing working students, running payroll, all of these things. She got me earning my bronze and my silver medal, which I hadn't been able to do because I never had the horses to do it. But on client horses there, I was able to earn my medals, which was great for my resume. Um, I had the work ethic. I had the experience. I had the horse management. I could do all of that. And now I could also show that I could ride and I could train. To fast forward even more to my introduction to para, because that's kind of why we're here, is I met a lovely young woman in Virginia as I was training. She reached out to me and said, I would love to take dressage lessons. I'm currently riding at a therapeutic riding center. Uh, Would you help me? And I said, sure, why not? Because I love a challenge. And I thought, "Ah, what the heck, we'll get her on a horse. I started working with um, this wonderful woman. Her name is Veronica. She's a uh, grade three para rider. Um, we were basically the blind leading the blind. So I had no idea. <laughs> so there's this thing called para dressage. You should really do it. Let's do it. We'll find out if we can do it together. I reached out to Yousef and lo and behold, they were having a coach's uh, pilot program. So USCF now offers a coach's certification program. That year that I reached out to them, they had theirs for the first time. And it happened to be in Virginia, right where I was. Wow. So I said, sign me up. We're going. I'll bring Veronica. She could be a demo rider. Let's go. So that was that was how I got involved in in para. I went through that coaches program through that weekend, got certified as a as a para dressage coach. That was just sort of the initial process. And there's been many follow-ups after that. I went back and forth to Wellington a few times. And as I've grown through the para equestrian community, I've now started developing my own riders. After I left Lawrence Spreisers, I bought a farm in Ocala. So I am now running my business since 2019. I run LCH Equestrian out of Ocala. We're 12 minutes from the World Equestrian Center. We found our farm before WEC was built so we could still afford it because now everything has gotten a little bit crazy. Yeah, wow, good timing. Our timing was good. And I now have four para-equestrian students in my barn that I work with and I develop the horses and bring them along. We just got back from a horse show over the weekend. And then this year, Yousef reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested in the uh, development coach position for Team USA. I was uh, flattered that 
they would ask me. And if you had asked me mm, 10 years ago, would have never guessed that my little pony club self college IDA riding self would be here. So wow. Uh, that that is my that is my little jagged timeline of how I got to this place. So That's amazing. Don't, <laughs> don't ever stop treading water because eventually you'll get upstream. <laughs> I love that. I mean, taking it back a little bit, you obviously have an extensive background in many different disciplines of the sport. And obviously, while you focus on dressage right now, um, cross-training is a big part of your program. Why do you think it's so important to cross-train for both the horse and the rider? So I think that cross-training is absolutely essential for mental health of the rider and the horse when you do the same thing over and over again and that is dressage right we're doing very repetitive motions in the sandbox over and over again there comes a point where you lose sight of the the actual objective i like to cross train to keep my horses happy because a happy horse is a horse that's a joy to show it's a joy to work with and they like doing things for you. I also think that developing that balance and that self-awareness that the horses have to have when we do cross-training, like our cross-training program includes cavaletti, we go hacking, um, we work in an equiband, we work on varied terrain so that we're not always on perfectly level footing. Uh, it's great for my amateur because I have a good amount of adult amateur riders that I use. It challenges them and their balance and creates confidence in their riding. And for the horses, it really works on developing that balance and that awareness of where their limbs are, which is absolutely imperative for the paradressage riders. They have to do a lot of work for those riders and keeping them happy, fit, and versatile is wonderful for them. So not only do they think that it's really fun, but we're actually doing a lot of training in the process too. What do you think initially drew you to coaching and what do you think makes a really good coach? Um, I'm definitely a helper. So I really love to help people. And I think as a coach, putting yourself out there and being creative with how you can help someone accomplish their goals is what makes a great coach. I'm always learning. I'm definitely very early on in my career. But if you go into a coaching position with the mentality that this is a team effort from the rider, the horse, and the coach, and we work together as a team, that can really propel you forward. So the opportunity to help riders, and I think specifically in para, it feels like I can help riders that have that ju- they just want to ride. They want to ride so badly. Maybe they were riders uh, before an accident or before an illness that that took their independence away. Being able to facilitate that transition back into sport is really, really exciting and really motivating for for all of us as a group. It really feels like um, I I'm excited for the rider. The rider's excited, and it's even cooler when you see the horses responding and being really proud of what they had just done. They, they definitely know they're doing something important. 
I don't know about you, but I think I spend more time focusing on my animals' nutrition than my own. Since 1985, with roots dating back to 1842, Mana Pro has been committed to providing high-quality, nutritionally wholesome feeds, supplements, and treats for your animals. As a company comprised of animal lovers just like us, Mana Pro understands the desire to provide your animals with the very best. Their passion is happy, healthy pets, and they are the trust partner in providing just that. If you haven't checked out ManaPro before, make sure you do. Their website is manapro.com, M-A-N-N-A-P-R-O.com. I get all of my treats there. My horses absolutely love them, but they have other stuff for other animals, not just for horses. So make sure you go check them out. They are absolutely incredible. So thank you so much, ManaPro. All right, let's get back to the episode. You are now a silver USCF paradressage coach. How Mm -hmm. did you, um, what was kind of the steps that made you transition into the paradressage world? I know you kind of alluded to it, but what was the learning curve like for you? So it's the, I would say the most helpful part of the USCF coaches program was developing a network of coaches. So having people that you can ask questions to, because every rider is so different. We use different equipment. We need different compensating aids. And a lot of times it's just trial and error, trying out what reins work, what stirrups work, what straps work. So what I felt the most helpful part of this whole community was, was having some other people to talk to about it. We could share videos, we could share, um, photos, experiences, athletes could talk to us. That was, that was a huge benefit to that program. And then going forward, it's just like any other rider. So it's any other dressage rider. You're working on the geometry. You're working on maintaining the rhythm and the tempo. You've got the accuracy and all of those elements of your test are, are, are exactly the same. We, we don't have special para shows. We go to USDF shows. Um, we are judged by the same judges. We ride in the same arena. Something that I really hope to accomplish is to have more para riders show up so that people can see that they're, they're right here. We're all riding with you. Um, I think there, there's a little fear still that, um, that para riders need special treatment or that they're that we have to be very careful around their horses. These riders are really good riders and they come with a whole team of, of people. Um, And as I work through the program and the more, more riders that I work with, the more I realize that it's not really that different from regular dressage the horse needs to like the rider that they they need to get along well um that we definitely have a big emphasis on the walk in para that's one of the most important gates so when we're looking for horses that's very important but when you have a horse that wants to do it that's happy to do it it's it's really it's kind of like any other sport if you have a horse that doesn't want to jump and you're trying to jump it it's not going to work out right um these horses when matched with the right riders will shine and do really well. So the the difference between able-bodied and para is actually not that it's not that big of a difference. 
Yeah, and that's I was another question I wanted to ask you. With you being an able-bodied coach working with para riders, what is that is that a specific dynamic? Are there like specific challenges because of the different riding abilities? So one of the things for certain grades, I can warm the horses up at the show. For example, grades one through three, those are um, the kind of most disabled grades. I get on the horse before the rider does to warm the horses up. That always depends specifically on what the horse needs. So some horses need a lot of walk time. Some horses only walk in the warm up. Some of them walk track canter. What that adds as a coach is you have to be able to train the horse too and help those riders at the horse shows or on their day-to-day in their day-to-day training many of my riders i get on the horse first before to warm the horse up so that they they can safely get on the horse um when we go to the shows that means we often need more people so some of my riders are in wheelchairs we have to have someone that can help them get ready um we have to make sure we can get on. That's always a really fun challenge mm-hmm. because many show facilities don't have ramps. Um, so we we get creative. We use the back of pickup trucks. We build, we have riders that build their own ladders to get on that have like portable step stools that they carry with them. So I think if, if there's anything that I think could encompass para, it would be the word flexibility. <laughs> Yeah. Be okay with being flexible and being a little bit creative. As a coach, you have to work with the horses specifically and help them understand what the riders are trying to accomplish. So if you have a rider that doesn't have the use of their legs, your job is to teach the horse how to respond off of a leg aid without actually using the leg, whether that's with the voice, with the whip, um, with a seat command start to really um, personalize the horse to the rider. That also is so cool. Horses are amazing. And the things we can teach them to do, uh, we think the only way we can make our horse go is if we can kick. Well, if you can't kick, there's got to be another way, right? Uh, Or if you can't turn left because you don't have a left arm, you have to figure out a way to teach your horse how to turn left. So as a coach, you've got to be flexible and creative. Speaking of that, you are working with your own horse who's getting very close to his Grand Prix debut, but he's also a mount for one of your paradressage riders. So tell me a little bit about your horse, kind of how he came to you, what he's like now, and how you were able to kind of build a relationship with him to be able to, you know, do both of those jobs. Anyone who knows Aniko knows that he is a character and a half. <laughs> um, he is a, he is really something special. Uh, he actually has done his Grand Prix debut. Yay! How did it go? Um, it went great. He went out, and um, we we had a super a super first ride. Um, unfortunately, I had the second day we came out. We got we got our first score towards our gold medal on the first day. The second day he came out and he didn't feel quite right. Mm. Um, I ended up withdrawing because I know him so well. Uh, he, I don't know if he, if he didn't sleep well or, you know, he just got up that day and decided that he just wasn't feeling it. And that yeah, for it wasn't him his is, day. 
yeah, it wasn't his day. And for him to tell me that I was like, you got it. No problem. Um, so he will, he, I know he will earn me my gold medal the next time we go out. He's a really cool horse. Um, I got him for free. Uh, he was a naughty, not very good event horse who liked to run backwards and buck a lot. Oh, good. <laughs> so not exactly <laughs> paradressage material when I got him. Uh, he is small. He's only 15'3", and I'm 5'7". So I had this pony that I rode around yeah. and um, worked. I, I got him when I was in Virginia working for Lauren Spreiser. I'm, I'm sure Lauren Spreiser will tell you that he was kind of a jerk. And there were many times when she was like, I'm not really sure why you're sticking with this. Like, he's he's stubborn and he's lazy and, you know, it's just not really all that. But it was what I had. I I thought he was hilarious. I loved his cheeky personality. And we just took our time. He was one that really taught me the importance of cross-training because he would get quite ring sour. Uh, he just couldn't go in the ring every single day and work. He needed variety. He needed to go out and gallop. He needed to work over Cavaletti and jump a little bit and go on trail rides. And when I really got him and and got his brain he would do anything for me that uh that was a really a really valuable learning experience from that horse that sometimes drilling them into the ground does not make them successful um so i've gradually been bringing him up the levels we started uh very terribly at third level then i took him out at pre-st george uh, which was great. I went down center line. I'd ridden that test multiple times. And my first time down the ring or down center line on my own horse and tails, I turned the wrong way. <laughs> and uh. <laughs> Lauren was like, what are you doing? And I told her I was so excited that I was showing my own horse, FEI, my first horse that I'd ever brought to that level that I forgot the test, which I had ridden many, many times before then. <laughs> um, so that was our first time out at the St. George. We worked up through the levels at the Inner One. Um, we worked up to the Inter 1A and we're schooling the Inter 2 and now we're at the Grand Prix. And I don't think I would have ever thought that he would be a para horse, but in our journey together, he has gotten so trusting of me we have such a great relationship and he's actually a really great teacher now. He's in this place in his development where he knows he's smart. He knows he's um, he has something to offer. And um, when I had a para rider reach out and ask if I had something available for her to lease for a show, at first I, I said I didn't. I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't really think I have anything. And then this rider told me that she was a pony clubber and my ears perked up and she said, I'm 4'11". And I said, well, uh, why don't you come ride my horse? Because he's only 15'3". I love that you're a pony clubber. I don't know. Maybe this could work. And she came out, it was probably like two or three weeks later after that conversation, rode Aniko and he loved her. He he was just tickled wow. he did not put a toe out of line he thought it was like the greatest thing in the world that they were working on 
she's a grade five rider. So they were working on like second level plus canter walks and counter canter stuff. His ears were flopping the whole time. And basically he told me that day that he loved this job as well. And I've been so fortunate because we're actually doing the para alongside my continuation of his FEI development. And I don't think he'll ever be a, a big ring horse for me, but he could be a big ring horse for this para rider. And the best part is he loves it. He thinks it's great. We at the show this weekend, she came and she showed him she's actually working on her bronze medal and he earned her her last two scores for her bronze medal competing at third level on almost a 70%, which is much better than the scores that I got when I took (laughs) third level the first time. Wow. That is what a special horse and something where it's such a transformation. He's a, he's a cool guy. And he, he told me he's, it was very, very clear that he liked her and he liked doing this and he might be a horse that that is that kind of becomes his job uh, when he retires. He has the personality; he's definitely a worker, so he loves to please and he wants to do the right thing. And this is a nice transition for him too. He's sixteen now, to still be able to go to the show. He knows he's important. He knows he's at the show. He has his mm-hmm. big medium trots across the diagonal, um, and yeah, it's it was really special to see him doing that and. Uh, another experience that I had never had before being the owner and watching my horse go down center line with someone else. Uh, it was, a, it was very, very emotional. And uh, I was so, so proud of both of them. What would you say is an area of the industry that you are really passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? So I am extremely passionate about horse management. So the care of the horses, the hands-on, the time spent in the barn. I'm definitely not a fan of the riders that show up with their horse already ready for them, get on, go ride, and then come back and someone else puts the horse away. I don't think it's necessarily something that isn't spoken about. It's something that's very important to me. And it's very important in my program and with the riders that I teach that you respect your athlete and you take care of your athlete and you're involved in all aspects of that horse's care from the beginning until the end. Um, That none of those pieces are handed off to somebody else. All of our riders whether they're able-bodied or para, are very involved in their horse's care. Um, They're very involved in the program, what we set up for them. And even if they aren't physically able to do everything, they are aware and they they partake in that care. I just feel that that's really lacking and it isn't prioritized anymore. Riders or young people who are interested in horses or say, I, I want to be a professional rider. They need to go out and be working students. They need to work and they need to see all of the other parts of, of the horse care and the horse industry. And that it's not just the flashiness that we see at the horse show 
or on social media of everyone all beautified and looking great. The reality of it is you work seven days a week, you're caring for the horses, whether you're sick or, you know, uh, not feeling 100% or sure. even if even if things are falling apart in your life, you still have to be there for the animal. And that that has so much value. It's one of the reasons why I think that Pony Club is so important for um, young students growing up. I love that there are more and more programs that sort of copy the USPC horse management aspect of it. Uh, they do that at the Intercollegiate Dressage Association National Finals where they actually have like a quiz rally or quiz part of it. So you can get uh, awards and ribbons for completing horse management tasks. Uh, D4K does that too. I just think that that's a really, really, really important and often missed part of being an equestrian athlete. Totally. Yeah. I think that's always important to shed some light on for sure. Um, well, Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time and talking about what you're doing, how you got to where you are today. I think what you're doing is incredible and such an important part of our industry. So thank you for all you do. I am excited to watch your journey. I know that the Paradressage World Championships are coming up soon. So that's super exciting also, but um, I just wish you all the best. Thank you. Yes, we have the Para World Championships coming up and here in the United States at Festival of Champions this year at Lamplight, we will be having the Para National Finals. Uh, wow. This is huge uh, that we get to have our national finals in conjunction with one of the biggest national shows uh, here in this country at Lamplight. So we're super excited. All of that will be live streamed as well. I'm working directly with USCF to make sure that we keep having this so that we have a national championship for our riders. Um, obviously it is so amazing that we have international riders that are heading to the po podium, but my job now is the development coach. I'm obsessed with the riders that are up and coming. So yay for the up and coming riders. Watch us at festival of champions as well um, so in cool. August. Amazing. Oh, I can't wait. Well, thanks again, Lisa. Thank you. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.